Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. The Premier League All Access podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrooks. Stay ahead of all the big games in the best league in the world, the Premier League. With the latest odds, form guides, expert opinions and more. The fans are the players at Ladbrokes. Are you in? Let's go. Play at ladbrokes.com, 18 plus, begambleaware.org. T's and C's apply. This is a game day podcast from TalkSport. The Record Book. Hello everybody and welcome once again to the Game Day Record Book Podcast with me, Danny Kelly, and my assorted guest, who I'll introduce in just a second. I think you know the rules. Um, in, initially, we were going to make an actual physical book. The book was bought and everything, but so far nothing's been done. Um, we still continue, though, to pick the best performers, the worst performers, the hero and the villain of the week of football in the Premier League and far beyond as well. Um, and... In doing so, we often find ourselves going down some very strange tributaries and byways and rabbit holes. Last week, for instance, um, a close contender for Hero of the Week was the centre circle at St Mary's after the 11 times it was used for kickoffs in that thrashing by Leicester City of Southampton. I'm delighted to say, and to show the sheer influence of the programme, I had a short letter here during the week, an email actually, from the centre circle uh, at St Mary's just saying thank you very much. No big deal, just that we get very rarely get mentioned um, at all. The centre, he said. He said the, uh, the actual, the, the, the big set, not the, not the kickoff one. The big circle around that often get mentioned. They say midfield players are dominating the centre circle. Well, us, us, the actual centre circle, very rarely gets mentioned. So thank you very much. That's no problem, my friend. And it's good to see that you're keeping up to date with the modern technologies as well to help me um, judge what's been going on in, say, in the world of football all over this weekend and, of course, during the week preceding as well. I'd like to say, Mark Webster, a legend on this show, invited back for the umpteen time already. Hello, Mark. I'm relentless, aren't I, really, in my pursuit of Well, I think you've had a little bit more spare time this weekend because you didn't waste a lot of time at the London Stadium. I made myself very available very (laughs) early. Yeah, Yeah. we'll come on to that. And joining him, and for the first time on this series, I'm delighted to say, um, former Watford, Brentford, Blackburn and... Fulham, very briefly. Fulham goalkeeper. These days, a goalkeeper consultant, if you don't mind. Yes. um, With various clubs and goalkeepers. I'm delighted to say Richard Lee is here with us. Well, hello, Richard. Delighted to be here. I've not worked with you before. I'm looking forward to it hugely. Um, If if the build-up to the show is anything to go by, it should be fantastic. Hussein has the ball again. Locking it beautifully for Fleck. Fleck, yes! Would you believe it? Seconds later, it's Musse again who feeds Fleck. And Fleck has scored United's third. Right-footed ball into the penalty area. It's in! And the death drama! Sadio Mane has won it for Liverpool! It's not that we, that we talk about it like this and say, boys, if there's, you see, 90 plus 2 and it's 1-1, we go with all we have. We try it. We, of course we try it. Good pace run by William, trying to find Abram. It's pushing him a bit wide and fantastic cross. It's turned in by Pulisic and Chelsea lead by two goals to nil. Right in front of the travelling Chelsea fans. Chelsea are on the verge of another victory on their travels. Let's start then with our best performance of the weekend. 
And Richard, because you're new to this, I'll, I'll let you start. Um, who, who are you going for? I've gone for Liverpool, which is the obvious choice in <laughs> Hang some on. ways. That, what's, the, what's in that for us? Where's the juice in that? I know. <laughs> best, I know. <laughs> best team in country wins football match, shocker. <laughs> I mean, of course, they were massively favourites going into the game itself. It, it wasn't, and actually the performance was actually pretty poor. I will say that. So in terms of a general performance, so not so good. So our performance of the week is whoa, going whoa, whoa, to whoa, a team... Whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> for me, that last, that last three minutes, that for me, and I've heard, I know Liverpool fans will hate this, the whole Fergie-esque last three minutes but it was the fact that they've come back in the way they did we talk about the champions mentality was it six in a row they won by a single goal or six games by a single goal they're fantastic they're, they're, they're showing that winning mentality for me that has to be the performance of the week yeah that's the bit that worries me about them is it's, it's exactly that is that it does hark but we haven't had a hark back for many a long harken, season harken, I'm, I'm, I'm harking away mm. and yeah. then the hark will go to those Manchester United performances where they doggedly nicked it. Mm. And I know that... And, and because, of course, we spend so much time discussing the beautiful game and, and Manchester United fans, till kingdom come, talking about we're not seeing any decent football anymore at our club. Well, i tell you what, it wasn't always that way. Mm. And it certainly wasn't always that way when they were winning things. These things did not always necessarily happen. That was it for me as well this weekend. Something that no one's really touched on. The weather was dreadful this weekend, which is a bit of a leveller. And Liverpool weren't great. Obviously got the equaliser. Trent Alexander-Arnold had a chance a free kick and as soon as he missed that you thought that's it it's yeah. going to be a draw but then to nick it in the way they did I just think the confidence they're going to have going into the game next week and I mean if they get a result in that they're going to be well clear favourites and I, yeah. think, I think you have to be careful because um, sometimes we ascribe the kind of um, amazing surge of confidence that the teams get suddenly and it's groups of young men and I apologise I don't see enough women's football to see it happening in women's football yet I always describe it as watching uh, from the world that Mark and I came out of bands where they suddenly have a moment they realise nothing can stop us this LP is fantastic we often ascribe it to teams who are not so fashionable Leicester when they won the title I'm going to talk about Sheffield United in a few minutes time what we're seeing here with Liverpool is a team who are highly paid, who cost a fortune, yeah. who ought to be doing all these things, but we don't always see it with them. They've got that, they've got that kind of invincibility thing going well, on now, haven't they? This is the thing for me and the worrying thing for the rest of the teams is people saying about, oh, they have a blip at some point. My argument is they might be having that now because they're not actually playing brilliantly. I think they've got another gear or two to go into. And if you consider that they only lost one game last season, yeah. they start to add these two seasons together... Mm. And of course, Manchester City might win at Anfield. We shall see. Who's your performance of the week, Mark? Well, it, it kind of follows on quite nicely. And again, this uh, Daniel, you'll get this one. This, there, there will be uh, ladies and gentlemen of a certain age for whom Chelsea is one of the most begrudged football teams. Um, With every reason. Perfectly good reasons, and yeah. Mainly at my age, because every kid in my youth club in 1970-71 was Chelsea and... Raquel Welsh got in the bath with Peter Osgood and they won the FA Cup. Hutchison, Osgood, Webb, Dempsey, all that lot, yeah. You know, old Tones, their King's Road, it's the whole showbiz. So I had, I've had a great several decades of not liking or caring how well Chelsea do or like, and yet I find myself... I can't even say grudgingly, really enjoying watching mm. Chelsea. Shame play. on you, Mark. I cannot stop myself. I was, at least if I can't be honest with myself, Dan, who can? And even again, in, in their not too pretty win in the, you know, at, at the weekend, and of course it was a tough one and a place that, you know, yeah, yeah. At, at Watford. I couple that with the fact that when they're, half their team was out and they put in a lot more younger players uh, in the midweek game, in the FL Cup game, they were really good as well. Mm. 
they've just been impressive and and Frank Lampard is an, ex- is an exceptional leader of men and and he doesn't he uh, verbally barely puts a foot wrong I'm happy I'm happy to go along with that Frank to me is the perfect example of a working class bloke and I'm interested in working class blokes for obvious reason a bit of education because he went to the cathedral as they call it in Brentwood a proper a private school um, and he didn't waste his time there he's a fantastic footballer of course yeah. but also just a decent bloke who seems to know how to talk and respond to things and react to things just to because you're younger than us if I might be so bold Richard um, it, the memories of old people are actually becoming relevant. They blurred because they're too far back to be re- re- relevant to the to the present. But I can genuinely remember in the days when you could just bowl up to football clubs mm. and, and buy a ticket and go and watch a match. I went and watched anywhere in London. I was lucky. I lived in central London. I'd go and watch football all the time. I think it was a League Cup time in the mid eighties. Um, the game was in a terrible place because of the violence in the grounds. And Chelsea was one of the leaders in that. They were pl- I'm pretty sure it was a League Cup tie. I thought, oh, no, I'm going to go and watch a football match. Off I trot. I remember checking the crowd the next day in the paper. I saw Chelsea play, Chelsea's first team, in front of 8,000 yeah. people. Mm. And now they have champions of Europe. They've got all these young players coming out. There is. I watched the game with, with Preston and Charlton earlier, oh, sorry, on, on Sunday. And, um, you know... Uh, Preston's story is amazing. They're top of the table. That, too, is incredible to me. But the, one of the best players I saw was the kid who was playing for Charlton called Gallagher. There was two Gallagher's, one on either side. They both did remarkable things. And after about 20 minutes, he'd had about five touches of the ball, every one of them. He'd kill the ball stone dead. They went out looking, passed the ball to the most dangerous place he could. I thought, whoa, he can play this, lad. Started to look him up to see if I could scout him for Spurs. Of course, he's one of yet another Guess low what? need from Chelsea. <laughs> they all are, aren't they? Yeah. Anyone who can play in the Championship... With all due respect, is a Chelsea loney. It's and, amazing. And you had that as well. It, with all of that, and then the two goal scorers against Watford is Tammy Abraham. He'll yeah. never, he'll never make it in the Premier League, will he? Uh, so they said. Um, and Pulisic, who that this was apparently one of Frank Lampard's flaws, is that they didn't know how to use Pulisic. And then he's he's come into this game, and, and his explanation was, "I have a duty." And he used this phrase, "I've got a duty of care with my players." Hmm. He'd had one week off in a year. I had to ease him in. I thought, ah, oh, will you leave off Lampard? This is all just too good. It's, Lamps, yeah. It, it's incredible what they've done for yeah. me over the last... And having quite a close eye on it over the last 10 years, the way in which they loan the players out, as you mentioned, largely to the Championship. There's other lads in League One, League Two. Some lads go abroad. But it's just a football factory. They've got the best environment to help bring the players up and Have teach they, them. Have they, though? Have you seen well, Sam Wallace's piece in The Telegraph so, at the weekend where he points out that the transfer ban that Chelsea are currently enduring rather enjoying actually is the result of 150 plus infractions of the rules about how you deal with young players Chelsea were making up their own competitions so they could say these players were trialists one bloke was on trial at Chelsea for three years he he had more more appearances than Bobby Tambling I mean it was there was one for the teenagers I mean it's just incredible what they were doing it's an interesting narrative that we've all got surrounding Frank Lampard this season in that it's given him a bit of a free ride in some ways in that you know no transfer window nothing expected but they did bring in Pulisic and Kovacic didn't they yeah. as yeah. well so and you actually look that's I, 120 I watched this game. million pounds worth of footballers yeah. by yeah. the way and I watched this game do you know what it, 
it summed up Chelsea for me. They should have won by six or seven comfortably. Yes. Ben Foster was fantastic. <laughs> then it was Ben Foster that nearly got the equaliser. Well, yeah, but yeah. the <laughs> fact that they even had a chance to get that equaliser, that's the bit for me. The only worry I've got about Chelsea is that they were absolutely bossed this game for 80 minutes. And then the last 10 minutes, silly goal to give away where they did overplay at the back. And then the fact that Watford did have that chance to get the equaliser. Mm. That's the only worry for me about and Chelsea. And don't forget, as well as people saying, uh, Richard, that... Uh, that they, you know, it was a free swing this year for Chelsea and Frank Lampard. The fact that they got mullered on the open day of the season, you yeah. said, you see what I mean? But that gave them absolute carte mm. blanche to bring in the young players. Well done to I, him. I would, can, I, if I can just put the caveat in very quickly to Richard, I, I don't, I don't care if they win anything. By the way, no. I'm just, I'm, I'm happy to go as far as saying I like watching them play. If they fail to get anything as a direct result of it. I will be also equally this is all, delighted. Uh, you don't mind me saying, I believe this is all to do with the trauma of watching your team at the London Stadium, which we'll come <laughs> on to. Much too sanguine, I? Can I just say, these this are all very well. I really want to talk about Sheffield United as, as the performance mm. of the week. All right, Burnley are not doing great. We, I get that. Um, but they are the very epitome of a, a, a solid, organised team. You have to beat them to beat what's in front of you. Um, Sheffield United's 3-0 win takes them up to six. That's six, ladies and gentlemen. Nobody has yet dealt with the overlapping centre-halves because they didn't believe that Wilder would do it in the Premier League. So they're staring at it now. Even even those blokes with computers and clipboards and stopwatches are going, what's he still doing that? Is he OK? They haven't found a solution to it. But here's the thing. We talk about Chelsea with their invisible budget of £120 million during the transfer ban. Let me read the names. John Lundstrom, John Fleck, Ender Stevens, George Baldock, David McGoldrick, John, sorry, Jack O'Connell, they all started in this 3-0 victory over Burnley. Total outlay for those players, one million yeah. of your English yeah. pounds. Yeah. Talent is important, money's important, coaching's important, but getting a team together is still the thing. And I, I'm not saying they're going to be Leicester City and win the title or anything like that, but they do deserve astonishing credit. And a 3-0 win, I think, is the, the sort of way that you establish your credentials um, and however poor Burnley were I don't, I don't care about that I think Sheffield United deserve if, if not to be performance of the week and I think they should be I think they just be, we have to keep our eyes open to what's happening here and I love the fact they've got an English manager nothing to do, nothing against the Scottish Welsh Irish or foreign managers they've got an English manager so have Bournemouth so have who's the Brighton the other teams who have started well and the idea that you have to trawl mm. the lower parts of the websites in Bulgaria to find yourself a football coach who can handle footballers is nonsense they've either got the talent or, or, or they haven't and their passport should be absolutely irrelevant because we've gone we've gone through a looking glass we're, we're not looking at the local talent um, regards managers and Chris Wilder I, I will be interested to see how critical of these players when they start to lose but that's another story well, it's pretty critical of them when they win so well, that's, my, that's my point you can get away <laughs> When you're winning, yeah, the, yeah, win, the win bonus is tucked away. The players are happy, and you chuck in there, which, which I think is. Uh, they, is it? They've not lost yet, have they? Either as well on the road. Yeah, you know, uh, the, the floor, it, which which in and on of itself is incredible, isn't it? Yeah, well, I, I'm a massive fan of their goalkeeper, by the way, right. the lad on loan from Manchester United, uh, Henderson. Fant- Do you know what? And anyone that follows him on social media, he's he's got so much confidence in what he does. They've got uh, was it lowest goals conceded, isn't it? I believe yep. eight conceded. Um, one of them was his fault against Liverpool. But other than that, he's been absolutely faultless. The thing for me with Chris Wilder, and this is where management fascinates me, because it's like no other job in the world where Chris Wilder's 
put in the hard graft. He's mm. managed at every level. And as a manager, to keep climbing, you need to win so many games of football. Because it only takes a short period, a short bad period, yep. and you might drop two leagues. It's like snakes and ladders. Whereas if you've got a name like uh, Frank Lampard or Steven Gerrard, or, you get that job at the very yeah. top straight away. Someone like Chris Wilder. And this is where it must be quite... Nice for him and those that have been involved for so long when they see someone come in, have their first job and not necessarily have the success because, look, Frank, Lamp- Frank Lampard's make it look pretty easy, yeah. to be fair to him. Ole Gunnar Solskjaer's having his problems, I think that's fair to say. Steven Gerrard's doing a very good job. But for someone like him to put in the hard yards and now be getting the rewards, which he deserves, and the amount of scenarios he must have had to go through in order to get to where he is now, it's it's nice to see. The, the, the only weird thing about it will could end up being is that um, he does so well and he remains doing so well there. But say, you know, say they last a couple of seasons and go back mm-hmm. down. The problem is say, he's brilliant at doing what he did with the size of club he's got and therefore he'll end up being tarred with the brush of being really good. Yeah. Well, which, there's the worst brushes. I mean, a lot of people yeah. had clubs that size made an absolute bish of it. Um, that was very serious and very good discussion about football. So the three nominations for the performance of the week are Richard's... I mean, Champions of Europe, apparently a good team. Um, uh, Mark... Revelation. Chelsea, yeah. Chelsea, doesn't matter what they do to cheat their way to the current situation, they're brilliant. And my completely sensible idea that Sheffield United uh, deserve the prize because they're just ongoingly uh, fantastic in the Premier League. Because you're the first guest, Richard, I, I invite you to change your view or to stick with Liverpool. I'm going to stick with Liverpool because I think I'm going to go safety to begin and then yeah. I'll be I'll, I'll explore some other ideas as we move on. Oh, I'm staying with Chelsea because I'm working on the principle that what they'll do is they will tail off eventually and, of course, therefore make me even happier by, as I said earlier, not winning nothing. Oh, how strange Double is this? Negative. Because normally I then would just pick between one or two of you, either by the force of your arguments or the beauty of your faces and indeed beards. But as your beards are equally beautiful, Thank you. I'm going to stick with Sheffield United. We're not going to have a winner this week. <laughs> uh, they've all won. I can't have this. They're, 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 I've heard nothing to make me change my view about Sheffield United. And so for the first time in the history of the Game Day Record Book podcast, we'll throw it out to you, the listeners, and we'll do a special Twitter poll which will never appear. Right-footed option, which is Shelby, and he's gone straight through and in. Wonderful strike from John Joe Shelby, and West Ham United's afternoon has just got a considerably worse. John Joe Shelby with a wonderful free kick. West Ham nil, Newcastle three. Right side of the penalty over Southampton, a rare chance for them to attack. Throws it back here, a shot on the ground by Armstrong. It's been spilled by Edison, and James Ward-Prowse has knocked it in, and Southampton with a shock lead at the Etihad. We won, we attack. If we were not able to win, else people say how we well defend Southampton. So it was a difficult game. Now, if a great deal of common sense was spoken in a performance of the week, there's even there's much more scope um, for getting stuck into the worst performances of the week. Now, Mark, you're going to do something that um, football fans are loath to do initially, um, but then warm to the task. You want to nominate your own side as the worst performance of the week, and I don't blame you. I'd be delighted to. Uh, West Ham United uh, at home to Newcastle. Boo, yeah, boo. thank you. There you go. Called, uh, I think they're called West Ham United Boo now, aren't well, they? Uh, Judging by the, the the final whistle, there was booing. Uh, it's a big, 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 big week for booing as well. Yeah. We know it's it's quite a popular pastime. It transpires. I'm not one for booing. Uh, but I need to make Why not, my, Mark? Because I, I pers- as a personal taste, I don't see any point 
in, in in attacking my own team and my own players and my own manager. I'll, I'll let you continue. So you, it, I don't want to interrupt the flow of your erudition, but I will say there was a period during George Graham's tenure at Tottenham where I used to get into terrible trouble because I used to boo the team as they came out. Yeah. I'd stand up on my own and boo. People say, sit down, what's the matter with you? And I'd say, hang on, you were here two weeks ago. Do you think they're a lot better than the world end, do you? Let's get this over with. Boo! Because they were dreadful. I'll get you booed in early. It's always a wise move. I'm, mm-hmm. I'd use the other I mean, I, I, do, I do like to stand and stare. Oh. Standing and staring is a big one at the end of the game. So they know I'm looking oh, at them. yeah, yeah. So no noise. No, no noise. No, no. I mean, really? I'm happy with noise, but it's just. I wouldn't my personal, like it if you no. stared at me, actually. Yeah. See, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's quite intimidating, isn't yeah. it? It's, it's, the, from, it's the disapproval, isn't it? You yeah. disapprove of them, I, don't you? I can't even. They're not even worthy of noise. It's, it's leaving my body. I'm not angry. I'm just disappointed. Exactly. That. This yeah, is the yeah. moment where people have spent their adult life being professional footballers look at people who are just fans and think, these people are nuts, don't yeah. they? Yeah. <laughs> this is all really serious. But this time I chose to leave. And I don't always, but, you know, again, I'm. If you want to go early, go early. It's your choice, whatever reason. Last bus, first pint, doesn't really matter. You paid I'm, your money, you make your choice. Thank yeah. you very much indeed. Yeah. I left at, um, at 3-1, and my feeling was I'd have been disappointed to have been there at the, for the sorry sight of us. If we'd have nicked a third in that performance, it would have been an absolute travesty. And Newcastle earned every point they got, but they didn't have to work too hard That's to get That's Newcastle, them. ladies and gentlemen. Thank you very much. Who, who, were, who were on a minus 11 goal difference until they rolled up <laughs> in E14. It was it was uh, abject and it's a, it's a very strong, I guess I'm picking them A because I've seen them but also you've got to you, you'll understand the frustration of not quite understanding how you can watch some the, the same fellas four games ago well, looking let, like well beaten. Well let me throw something um, towards uh, Richard Lee here and of course uh, he makes his living these days chatting and uh, talking about goalkeepers, but also um, actually training them up. Uh, is it possible that, uh, you know, the West Ham, who were doing so impressive at the start of the season, contrasts with the West Ham of now, is it possible that Fabianski's absence oh. is basic to this? Yes, it's as simple as that for me. But I it's think... just a bloke who stands there and get the ball hits him in the face. Oh. I mean, that's, that's what with all due respect, don't get me started. No, do you know what? For me, he, and he's up there, he's, he's one of the most underrated goalkeepers. Yeah. I think West Ham fans rate him because they realise just how good. If anything, it, there's two examples we've got here where Lloris gets injured for Spurs, uh, Fabianski gets injured for West Ham. On one hand, I think for Fabianski, it's that realisation just how important he is to this team. Yes. I think with Lloris, there's then that little bit of a danger where he didn't necessarily get injured on the best of terms. He hadn't had the best run leading up to it. And it has given Gazaniga a serious chance to stake a claim to be a number one. But mm-hmm. no, for West Ham, they just can't get him back soon enough. No, it's... it's a how, does, how does it affect the team? Yeah, it's a good it's, question. Yeah, no, yeah. It's, it's, this is the bit. It's the stuff you don't see. That's the biggest bit. You look at the best goalkeepers years gone by. I use Peter Schmeichel as a great example. Mm-hmm. You could see it with Peter Schmeichel because visually, he was a leader. Visually, he had control of the back four, the back five. Fabianski's got the same thing going on. The experience that he's got, he's not necessarily as agile as he used to be now, no. Fabianski, mm-hmm. but his game is very solid, makes very few mistakes. He's just an ideal base to build on, and I don't think they've got that now. No, they've got a they've got a, a giant statue of a, a of a man uh, who moves extraordinarily slowly. And two of the goals were directly his fault. But again, it would be so unfair to hide that performance behind one individual, mm. because basically, yes, we can still have we can still have con- 
in fact, we nearly did. West Ham still conceded those goals, but they were, should have been more than capable of going up the other end and, and taking Newcastle apart. They're, Last question for this on this for you: What if you got what if you'd got as far as Upton Park Station or wherever you were perambulating your way to, and heard they had got an equaliser? Well, I was perambulating obviously through to Westfield Shopping Centre because ah. I don't know if anyone told you, Dan, but we have we've moved on. Man alive, have we moved on? So, and of course, this I've got. I don't By where you mean? Uh, uh, fo- the football club oh, quite yeah. literally yeah. moved yes. two miles. <laughs> yes, yeah. <laughs> so that walk up to Park Station would have been a cuckoo, wouldn't it's, it? Sorry, yeah. that would have been a real old hike for you, wouldn't <laughs> that it? That would yeah, have been fair. all wrong. Yeah. Uh, but so you've I, gone to Westfield. I, 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 it's a combination. I've got a gammy right leg. Uh, we had a curry booked, and uh, I was meant to break down a pub. You so had, you had me there a curry, are things yeah. uh, that, that were, uh, you know, uh, part of it. But I heard three, two. Um, uh, and so did the many hundreds that I was with heading towards Westfield Shop. He said, heard the 3 2. And the consensus was that point I made earlier. If yeah. we dared nick yeah. this, I don't want to be there for the point that we nicked off them because we, do, you know, they don't deserve what would have to be my grudging approval. I'll go, I'll go for the worst performance of the week. I happened to be on air um, for the uh, late kickoff on Sunday afternoon here on Talk Sport, um, Everton against Spurs. Now, look, the second half of the game wasn't. Great! It was amazingly dramatic, horrible in the injury to Andre Gomez, and of yeah. course, uh, even on a, uh, a podcast disrespectful as this, we all wish him the very, very best because that's the thing I hate most about football or any athletic endeavours to see injuries because it's such a waste of talent. Um, but the first half an hour of the game was like nothing I'd ever seen, and I, trust me, I played in Division Three of the North Middlesex League on Hackney Marshes, and I have played in better quality games than that. Um, the two teams, I know it's nervous because they're both in a bad place just at the moment. I know both managers, incredible though it seems in Pochettino's case, might turn up to their P45 if we still have such a thing um, uh, on Monday or Tuesday if the team loses. But to watch two quite expensive, no, very expensively assembled teams of footballers. And I know, I'm talking to you about this, Richard, now. Mm. I know people say, oh, they lack confidence. I don't understand this confidence argument in football. I'll say what I always say. The reason soldiers train so hard is that they have to be able to perform their soldierly duties under pressure and when things aren't going their way. Surely football is exactly the same, but yeah, the yeah. first sign of adversity, two bad results, or their grandma looks at them sideways, oh, my confidence is gone. Confidence is nothing. I, I, I mean, if it was confidence, I, I'm a very confident man. I would be a great footballer, but I ain't. Mm. What is going on no, with I'm, these two I'm, clubs? I'm a bit of a geek on this because this was something when I played. It always made you me You could wonder. have finished that with just, I'm a bit of a geek. <laughs> just full stop, yeah. done, yeah. that is yeah. true. Yeah. No, I actually, ego, I studied something called neurolinguistic programming because when I played, oh, yeah. I couldn't... Oh, yeah. Did that? <laughs> I couldn't, <laughs> I couldn't understand. Oh, it's and NLP. There you yeah. go. Oh, right, right, there right. You yeah, go. Yeah, I know, yeah. Right, yeah. I couldn't understand it's why Gary you were Newman going involved, to... I think he was, yeah. I'm going to get... Right, here we go. I couldn't understand. Here we go. And you're going to speak, yeah. I couldn't understand that because for me now, if you're a player that's not confident, you're a liability. Because confidence isn't something that's given to you. It's something you need to understand how to create. And very few footballers do. The amount that I hear, oh, the manager doesn't give me confidence. It's not the manager's job to give you confidence. You should know how to build yourself up ready for a game, how to get yourself into the peak state. If you can't, you're a liability. And you're right, that first half an hour was two teams that have zero confidence. I mean, and I, don't, I, don't, I mean, Everton, I get it. They, they, they've just not knitted together their expensive parts. Spurs, I don't know what's gone on there in the last 10 months, but their away form is simply shocking. 
Um, and so I would go for the worst performance of the week would be that first half an hour when I thought, what's going to happen here? They're, they're not good enough to... Be, I mean, everything tells you this is a nil-nil game now because they're so terrible, but neither team is good enough to keep clean sheets. So what is... Go- well, I should have guessed it would be could a always walk draw. out, Dan. You know, I mean, yeah. I, I, I find that a very useful well, weapon. When I was on air, where there been just a lot of science, just Simon Jordan no, talking no, to himself. still, just, just walk <laughs> yeah, out. Make, yeah. make your way out. Richard, you, you've... Um, yeah. Having, having, having picked the best team in the country um, for your p- best performance of the week. You've gone not far down the league table for your worst performance of the yeah, week. Yeah, and the more I'm thinking about it, they're very similar performances, really, because City did exactly the same as Liverpool and came from one down to win two. So why are they not getting your so, uh, praise? Why is opprobrium their fate? It's more the fact, we're just talking about confidence, leads on quite yeah. nicely. Southampton have just lost 9-0, and yeah. they're going to the Etihad. Did anybody ever imagine that Southampton would have a chance in this game. I, which, didn't, think, I didn't see them taking the lead for a no, start. No. That, that was amazing. amazing. Yeah. Do you know, for me, it was just the fact that City didn't test McCarthy enough. He made a decent save, actually, second half. But other than that, didn't test him enough. It was a poor performance. I made the point earlier about the weather. And it can't be underestimated. It was a horrible, horrible day for football. Certainly down in Bournemouth. Horrendous day for football. I think that impacted City. But it was a really lacklustre performance from them, I thought. And this appears that there appears to... This may be what's happening in the Premier League. People are telling me that Liverpool are not playing as well as they played last year. Their defence isn't as good, yet they're doing fantastically well. And City are clearly not quite the razor-sharp machine that they have been for the past two or three years. I'm not quite sure why. Anyone got a theory? Well, are they delicate? Are they, you know... They've got no centre-halves. Yeah, exactly. That uh, plays a role. Yeah, they've got, you know, Aguero's turn next, I believe. (laughs) But that's that's what... Guardiola's been yeah. looking for all his life to get to, defenders out to of the game. To be able to play mm. to a goalkeeper and, and, and 10 attacking yeah. players. But I, just, I, I look at them. Is there a lack of monger in them? Are they just too well refined as pedigree, as a pedigree team that when, when the slightest things goes wrong, they're out of kilter? Possibly. I mean, the thing I look at with City is the fact that they've got the best goal difference in the country comfortably. So when they win, they win. Yeah, and they yeah. win really comfortably. And that's been the difference between them and Liverpool. You could argue at times they have been the best team in the country yeah. by a way. The thing that Liverpool have this season, which they didn't necessarily have last season, now that they're ahead, you know, last season, that one time they were ahead briefly, there was that game at home to Leicester, wasn't it, where I think City lost the day before against Newcastle. Liverpool had that chance to really compound it, didn't. You always felt that when they were ahead... And the game, the game at the Etihad, where, they, where, they, where right. they, if they had won that game, they'd have put City pretty much out of sight, but didn't quite do it. Mm. That's why the game at Anfield next week is so, so massive. And I think it's shifted, you know. I'm looking yeah. at that, and I think that Liverpool do. They have the edge, I think. Not necessarily that they're a better team, because I think you're right. When City are on it, they, for me, they're the best in the country. By a long way. Liverpool's team has more tolerance to its mm. own failings. City are like a Formula One car. If it does start to get a bit clanky, they, a bit falls off and it's not quite the same machine. Yeah. Liverpool are more like, well, Klopp, they're, they're more like a German, one of those very expensive German road cars you can buy. Something may go wrong and a little light may start blinking on the dashboard, but it doesn't stop it still being unbelievably powerful. And while that is a clunky enough um, comparison itself, I think it holds some water. So those are the um, the uh, nominations for the worst performance. The first half of Everton against Spurs, Manchester City, despite winning and being second in the league, or West Ham and their tremendous effort to get three goals down at home to Newcastle. Um, Mark, I take it you're not going to move far from, the, from your... Well, game. I tell you what, I, I, I'm happy to... Because, I, I, you know, I got my feelings out on the day. Mm-hmm. So, I, so I, I'm, not, I'm not married to it, but... 
I, I like the first half of the Everton Spurs game. And the reason being, and you touched on it there, is that that pitch was covered in an array of expensive talent. So it's an absolute insult that, that all of them were that bad at the same time, I think. Mm. What, what, are you, what well, are you? I suppose we've got a strange thing going on now. So you've changed your opinion yes. to go, and I'm now changing to go West Ham. Thank you. So we've got like a little bit of a merry-go-round going like okay. here. It was now a I good could, argument you put forward, even, could, though, <laughs> even though you didn't back it up. Impassioned. And, yeah. Uh, yeah, exactly. But it's like, but I, I could it's continue the nonsense of the first part of the show by then going from Manchester City. But for me, and with no, no, no skin in the fight, really, I thought when I saw, the, the, when I saw Newcastle with three up at West Ham... I don't, I don't care um, how bad um, West Ham were. I don't care how lucky Newcastle have been. You cannot be three down to Newcastle, the current state of Newcastle's team, at home without being the worst performance of the week. So how well done, Happy Hammers, and well done you for saving 10 precious minutes of your life and making that judgment between crap football team and Curry. Curry, sometimes when you're a mature man or woman, will win. Thank you. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. The Premier League All Access podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrokes. There's a lot more to those 90 minutes than what goes down on the pitch. With the latest odds, form guides and expert opinions, you'll know the score with Ladbrokes. Odds update on Talk Sport with Ladbrokes. Are you in? Let's go. Play at ladbrokes.com, 18+, begambleaware.org, T's and C's apply. Delivered in by Willems. It's a good delivery. It's 2-0. It is another goal for Newcastle United. And this time, it's Federico Fernandez that's headed home. And Newcastle United have another goal. Hopefully, with a few more results, then I might get as popular as Rafa. I'm not so sure I will, but that's me in. Palace nil, Leicester 1. It's come 11 minutes into the second half. Corner played in by Madison, headed goalwards by Johnny Evans. Brilliant save by Keita under his bar to turn it over for another corner. But from the second corner from Madison, Sion Chu managed to get acres of space. Palace nil, Leicester 1. We played well enough. I thought it was a, a good performance. I think that we, we held out own very, very well against, against Leicester City and obviously in fine form. Well, it's been a very complicated show so far. I think uh, <laughs> Richard Lee... We brought it on ourselves, then. No, no, the, the game day record book used to be so straightforward, a bit of knockabout, a couple of jokes, and we'd all agree on what was the best or worst thing. But Richard has brought kind of um, sort of QCs um, in forensic 
um, laser-like mind to the events of the weekend and confused myself and Mark Webster, who is my other guest here. So let's try and see if we can do better with our heroes of the week. Um, let me see who's going to go first here. I suppose it should be me because you two have done the other two. And this is perhaps a little bit of the um, apparently useless centre-half union. Um, I was apparently useless, um, and that's because I was useless. Um, I, my great contribution to myself when I played football um, over on, on the marshes 40 years ago was at first I thought, now the reason you're useless, Danny, is because... I mean, I'm very, very keen on the game, and I managed the club as well, so I always got into the team. Um, but uh, the, the reason must be, Danny, your, your, your natural eyesight is very poor. So I invested for the first only time in my life in a pair of contact lenses. Oh, Yeah, yeah it's going to improve my footballing no end. The I'm playing centre-half, the ball coming down out of the sky, you'll see it earlier, you'll see it more accurately. Your terrible heading skills will be improved by all of that. You'll also be able to see the width of the pitch much better and the length of the pitch. Surely your p- passing, previously descri- described as sketchy, will improve. Um, I have to say, the experiment, I, I kept it going for over a year till I finally realised, Dan, this, that, that you're kidding yourself. You told, talked earlier, Mark, about being honest with yourself. This has nothing to do with your contact lenses. You are useless, man. You're, you're, you're I'm as much more athletic build in those days. You can run and you can shout, but you cannot play the game at all. So I did the right thing. I kept going with the, with the contact lenses because they're helping my driving, and I moved myself to right back, where with the protection of two lines, the touchline and the goal line, I managed to extend my career rather sneakily by a few years because positioning is all important. If you're a fullback, you do have those two lines to defend you from, oh, actually, to defend you from better players coming <laughs> at you. Um, so sorry that that, um, that kind of ramble. Um, you can cut that out in the edit. I'm sure you will. Absolutely <coughs> takes on to so Kegler Ka- Ka- uh, Soyenchu, um, the Leicester City centre back. Um, nothing about his original appearance towards the end of last season made you think this boy can play. He's going to be all right. And yet, because everything at Leicester touch at the moment is turning to pure gold in a different way yeah. from Sheffield United, they're not making two hundred and fifty thousand pound footballers play. They have a, an amazing. The good, I think, um, recruitment system. And if you think about it, Tielemans had played a really good season last year in the Premier League. He was only thirty-five million quid. The bigger clubs, if Leicester all will accept that, just couldn't just couldn't bring themselves to shell out for a player who wasn't a big mm. name. Leicester did that, but he also went and got Johnny Evans, who I think is a, a really s- strong, decent centre half. Who, if he stays fit, will be worth anybody's money. Three less actually it's less than three million quid. Take a club like Arsenal, currently eating its own tail with despair of not being able to get the best out of their squad. Is he better than all their defenders? The answer is yes, he is. But of course, that they're too sniffy. Westbrook and Chalbion, isn't he thirty something years of age now? Johnny Evans would have been a great buy for them, but he's also I think really helped our friend Soyenchu settle in and the moment for me when I thought okay you've arrived now he's defending very well and he's playing in a good team that helps confidence and all that Richard mm. there was a moment where he carried the ball out of defence and went and on his left foot and got 20 yards past the halfway line before he passed it to a teammate and I thought okay He's not Harry Maguire, but that's what Maguire used to do. And no doubt, after a little settling-in period, he has given himself the space to express himself. And I think he's just one of about 15 different success stories across that Leicester City squad. And partially as a sort of um, a bow to them, I'll, I'll say that uh, Kaglar Soyentu is my hero of the week. Um, what about you, Richard? Uh, I'm going for Steve Bruce. In fact, uh, can I read out his recent interview? 
Yes. Now, is this, has this got anything to do with, with, with talking about a 60-year-old man sat on the loo? Yes, that's the one. See, because I'm not sure that's the most attractive. I mean, the podcast and the modern world and all the rest of it, the Ute Dem are listening to it. You want to talk about... How can I put this without, without insulting myself? A fat bloke sat in the toilet, yeah? I mean... Is he overweight these days? I suppose he's carrying a few well, pounds. He's, he's looking better than he did. Yeah. Um, Sorry, I'll, I'll take that back then, yeah. And people in glass houses shouldn't throw stones. Fair <laughs> enough, yeah. Shouldn't so, throw several stones, yeah. In a recent interview with the male, he revealed he had a toilet epiphany, and this is what he said. I was sitting on the loo last week, turning over the newspaper when I saw Alan Shearer and Les Ferdinand and thought, wow, wow, we had the best centre-forward in England, probably the best centre-forward that's been English for a long, long time, and both your strikers play for England. But that's gone. In the past, we have to accept where we are today. The club being relegated twice in 10 years and it's been in the bottom half of the division. Basically saying they're not very good. Yeah. yeah. Essentially. And do you know what? Well, hang on. It's, it's taken him now to realise this about Newcastle. I, I, like I know he's a fan. He's in some kind of hipster joint where they keep 1990s newspapers, you know, with, le- <laughs> with stories about Les Ferdinand and Alan Shearer because, you know, that, that's, that, that's, that's, that's cool. I like Retro that. Yeah, cool, that, yeah. Exactly. That's what, obviously, he must have had an artisanal coffee as well, hence him having to go to the, the gents. So, yes. I think he must have been... Uh, uh, confidently get something at West Ham to say all this because mm. essentially he's doing the thing now that uh, Benitez used to do and saying look at me I managed to manage through this absolute shower of shinola that I've been presented with that's what he's saying isn't it? He, he is I mean in fairness to him what's it 11 games I, I want to say they played 5 of the so-called top six. I think yep. they played Leicester as well. So you actually look to have got 12 points from their 11 games. They've actually got a run of games now where I think they can they can do something. These next seven, eight games before we get to the halfway point, it wouldn't surprise me to see Newcastle mid-table, which with the squad they've got, I know he's got the Longstaff brothers coming through and there's a few good younger players there. But Alan Sam Maximin, what a terrier. So, mm. That again, was very good, wasn't he? Yeah, he was superb against West Ham and, and he looks... And he, what he's got, is he, and uh, it would seem to be doing, is he's got them thinking that they can be better, which means you're seeing yeah. a bit more. They're a bit more. Uh, they're running faster, running harder. They're looking at looking aggressive, whereas they were such a tentative team, weren't they? Yeah, no, they were. I think, and that for me is why I'd have him as the hero of the week. And I just think he he got so much abuse when he first joined them and it was always going to be such a tough start to the season but to have negotiated in the way that he has and this so far this is the biggest day for them to go to West Ham I know West Ham were dreadful but they you said yourself they could have been five up at half time which for this Newcastle squad as they are is quite an achievement what is going on you're you're both I think more fashion conscious to me what's going on with Alan St Maximin's hair what what, what combinations of things has he got going on well he's got many things going on up there not least of which is a Karate Kid uh, style headband isn't there Mm. Uh, which I'm not sure if that, it, I, I saw um, a picture of uh, Yaya Torre uh, the other day from the old days and, and forgotten the snood. Yeah. And, and, and I'd like to think my life has been better for having forgotten the snood. Later banned on health and safety reasons well, exactly. in football. So he's chucked out. Now, this kid's actually wearing something which looks like an, you know, it's in any old black and white film, what would happen, of course, when someone's cut is they rip the bottom of the shirt off, don't they, to make a, a temporary yeah. bandage. And he's kind of gone for that mm. look. It's no logos on it. It's plain. It's not, it's not the is kit it, manufacturer. Is it something you considered, Danny? I think. 
Um, no, not not particularly. I mean, I, I I would like, you know, I've often thought a sort of piratical bandana might mm. be might be uh, suitable for me. And which, when you say it's something I've considered, I have many many more years in my mind as where I could become more and more and more eccentric. One day, I hope to replace um, sartorially uh, the now de- departed, much lamented John McCreary. If I could mm. go that route, I'd be very happy indeed. I don't want to support Newcastle; that's a separate issue. <laughs> Um, who is your hero of the week then, um, Richard? Oh, no, you've done Richard. Sorry, we've done him. Um, you, Mark, yourself, who's your hero of the week? Well, um, I've gone for dear old Roy Hodgson. And and, there's a, and the reason being is, that, I mean, that they, they lost to Leicester City at the weekend. We know that. It was at home, and that's not great. But prior to that, I mean, first of all, the table, the, the position in the table is incredible. The performance has been incredible. The results they've got. And this is off the back, and I'm going to do a bit of quoting now. Roy Hodgson stood up at a Q&A in September in front of a fans forum group, at a, big, at a big charity event, and he was asked the question, do you think, Roy, we can push on this you know, top half of the table? To which he basically replied, staying in the premiership's always going to be the be-all and end-all. There'll be no rainbows, no blue skies, no rose-coloured spectacles. But there will be suffering, fighting, and heartache. <laughs> Next question. So that's Roy in September. Mm. Roy in this last few days, at seventy-two years of age, and after forty-four seasons Hats in management, has been is in negotiations to extend his contract past twenty twenty. And this Palace side, having watched them up close uh, uh, and seen them uh, live on the box a few times. He's gotten going. It's fascinating that, that, that they're doing it as well without much goals or assist input from Wilfred Zaha. He's still their best player. He's still their most frightening player for the opposition. But he's not had the return for his endeavours that he's had in previous seasons. And yet they're still managing to do what they're doing. Well, I think that's, and that's almost the most impressive thing about this for me. Will Zaha sacked his agent because he couldn't get out of Crystal yeah. Palace at the start of this season. And Will Zaha's playing absolutely... 110% style math, football maths for his team as a team out, player. Yeah. Mm. And you and we, you talked earlier, Richard, you know, the, the confidence factor. And, we're, to, and you, we're talking about Spurs. And so a lot, a lot of Spurs fans are saying, why are we looking at four men, five men who can't be bothered because they because they went out of the club? And arguably that's why they're playing that way. Well, the, yeah, this uh, is where you're spot No on. problem with Wolf. No, and this is where I think Roy Hodgson... Little mention for Ray Lewington because he was my manager back in the day at Watford. Yes, fantastic person. He's like, going to get another contract as well, then, isn't he? So, yeah. Which, yeah. which is, and do you know, and what? that's keeping two old geezers off the pe- off the pension, off the public purse. <laughs> that's exactly good. right. And, yeah. and of course, if they're active, they're healthy. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Uh, listen, you talked about the longevity of this man's career. Uh, it would not be um, the the game day record book podcast if I didn't do this. This is Roy's senior playing career. These are the clubs he played for: Crystal Palace, zero appearances. Tunbridge, Gravesend and Northfleet. That was where he was really at home. He made 59 appearances. He's worked his way around Kent nicely there, wasn't <laughs> oh, there's he? more. Maidstone United. Oh, he really uh, was. Ashford Town, <laughs> Berrier Park, I've never heard of, and Carl Shorten Athletic. But the real thing, he takes up managing in 1976. Strap yourselves in. These are the clubs that Roy Hodgson, who's liable to get another contract at Crystal Palace, has managed. Helmstad, Bristol City, Odevold, Orebro, Malmo, Neuchatel Jamax, Switzerland, Inter Milan, Blackburn Rovers, 
into Milan again. Grasshoppers. We're not into the, into the current century yet. <laughs> Copenhagen. Udinese. United Arab Emirates. Vikings to Wanger. Finland. Fulham. Liverpool. West Bromwich Albion. And England. Uh, and then England on 21s as a caretaker manager as well. And Crystal Palace. Sir, we stand and salute your talent and your longevity. And my missus loves him because uh, she works in the literary industry. Um, Of course, he reads difficult novels. He reads difficult novels as well. I'm I'm voting for Roy for my hero of the week. And lest we forget as well, as I always say, he's the man who put the Roy into Croydon. (laughs) You want want to argue about Roy? Go on, I think we were Roy, haven't we? Well, you're you're backing as a double actor with Ray Lewington, so that's it. Hero of the week, Roy Hodgson. Thank you very, very much indeed. So what happened many times in Liverpool has done in the last years is because it's a special talent. Sometimes it's diving, sometimes it's this talent to score incredible goals in the last minute. It's a, it's a talent. Stoke City in the last few moments have sacked Nathan Jones. Stoke have won six times in 38 games under him. And Stoke right now 23rd in the championship table. Quite clearly for the owners, not good enough. I think for everybody it's uh, a difficult uh, and hard situation of course and uh, yeah for the moment I just cannot go into the matter still ongoing still in process and uh, it's been a club decision now we go on to what is arguably the best part of the show and of course like uh, all great productions we keep it till last oh no you're supposed to put it at the front so people actually bother to tune in <laughs> anyway our villain of the week Man, we've got some messes here to get through. I'll let you start, uh, Mark, actually, because um, you're going right to the top of the managerial tree for your villain of the week. I am indeed. That's because I think he's let me down a little bit. Not that, he, that, that I'm sure he's aware of that particularly. <laughs> but Pep well, Guardiola... He'll, he'll have listened to this, won't he, now? And he'll know. He, he will do. Now, what are you that, talking about? Well, no, because the, the way I would normally convey that he's let me down is by staring at him, which would be the worst yeah. thing on yeah. a podcast for me to do to try and put my point across about Pep Guardiola, <laughs> wouldn't it, really? Is I think, and I get the whole thing about trying to trying to g up your team and g up the referee and get the whole thing set for one of the biggest games of the season, but I think it was a bit strong in in, in a statement post match, during which the other incident happened in another another field of play, i.e. Uh, Liverpool, that he he said specifically sometimes Mane is diving now. He goes on to say, oh, but he's got talent, you know, but, but he's just somewhat yes, couched by yeah. the fact that he's all, but he's already up to that point. But by the way, Pep, just to confirm, though, you say Mane cheats, yeah? So that's and there. So there's the gist of it. And this is the thing. I get when managers will allude, probably in sort of very veiled way, to what they think other managers and other teams, how they do their business. That happens all the time. That's reasonable. A personal attack on one individual, I think, is wrong because... There, but for the grace of God, goes many of his players, mm. and it's just and diving is cheating, yeah. and I and I accept the fact that it's also part of what happens. And I know, Richard, obviously you, you've seen it, and we can all pretend to, to get an eye rolls about it, but it's part of what football's about. But to actually I, bother, I, no, no, I, I don't, I don't take it as, 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 as simple as that. I think football's great beauty, Mark. The thing that marks it out from every other game in the world is this: every other game unless they're derivatives of football, like hockey, um, the unit of scoring 
is so common. Cricket, basketball, American football, um, things that we love. 100 yeah. versus 101. Uh, it's right, it's yeah. that the best team always wins because the unit of scoring is so common. The thing that makes football so universally exciting and adored around the globe is that because it's so difficult to score, the better team doesn't always win. The underdog has a chance. A team can defend a way to a good result. And so getting goals by nefarious means, and nobody bothers to dive outside the area. Why would you? Mm. They dive to get penalties. And penalties, are they change the game too much. It's it, it can't. I, I I absolutely abhor it. Now we've gone very serious. Now I, I let me get the things I do. I hate it. I loathe it. I despise it, and I abominate it. Yeah. My point is, I hate diving, and I want to get yeah. it out of the game. Well, uh, but it always has been part of the game, and it happens all over the pitch. But we don't call it diving there, because no. diving seems to be a word that is the preserve of the penalty area. But what it is is cheating. It's yes. trying to cheat to, to get something. Now, and, and, and guess what? That word everyone hates, and people have been up in arms about it. But that, for me, is why that's annoyed me about Guardiola, is that he's singled one individual out and saying, by the way, this man cheats for a living. Okay. Yeah. I, I'm going to go next, because I really want to give Richard plenty of space for his, because I have a suspicion um, that he's going to need to talk about it. Um, for me, the villain of the week is Stoke City, just because, you know, again, the thing, if, if diving's the thing I hate, the thing I love about football is the pyramid. I love the fact that Bournemouth can come out of virtually nowhere mm. um, and establish themselves, insofar as any team has ever established in the in the Premier League, um, as a top, you know, really good Premier League team. Equally, I like the fact that, uh, unlike the American sports that you and I both love, I don't know about Richard, um, if Sunderland are useless and disorganised and disheartened, they can go tumbling down and down and down the leagues and, for all I know, will end up playing in a local amateur league um, in, on Wearside. I don't know. Um, so, for Stoke City, who got rid of their manager this week, um, Nathan Jones, uh, and they they just assume, because they have several years in the Premier League behind them, and they are Stoke City, after all, didn't they win the League Cup in the 1970s? I think so. They assume that they can just tap up Alex Neal. I'm not, not worried about tapping up. That is something that does go on that I don't care about because it's a stupid rule. How can you ever employ anybody if you haven't talked to them? Um, the Preston North End manager, who at the time wasn't top of the championship, but his team have now gone to top of the championship after that victory at Charlton. What did Stoke think he was going to do? Do you know what? I've got this team really motoring here at Deepdale, and we're about to go top of the table if we can get a result at the Valley. And maybe, just maybe, I can get them promoted and re-establish my reputation, which was tarnished slightly by my time at Norwich City. Or I can go to Stoke City at the other end of the table and enjoy the company of some of the most undermotivated, rebellious, toxic scumbags of footballers that have ever tumbled out of the Premier League with all due respect to the ones who've come since then I just think what were they thinking what what were they thinking uh, I mean I guess it's as simple as Stoke have got a huge budget that, it's as simple as that they yeah. know that, that whatever contract they'll be putting in front of him will probably be two three four times mm. what he's on it's as, as simple as that hang on the, now, the now problem... I think he's a fool but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, do you know what but you, you're right about Stoke I mean it's uh, it fascinates me as a club where in terms of their budget, again, it's very hard. But this just shows it's probably one of the beauties of football again is that in some cases, and this being a great example, money doesn't buy you success. Yes. When the culture isn't right, when there's been so many mistakes which have been made over the last couple of years, 
I don't know who's going to be able to sort that out. No. You know, I know there's... Well, let me let me pick from your from your business world. Let me just pick an example. I thought four years ago when they were both young goalkeepers coming through, I genuinely thought that Jack Butland was a better goalkeeper than Jordan Pickford. Yep. Now one of them's in England regular, and Butland, bless him. And I, I, I'm one of those who thinks Trump Spurs should buy him, and they probably could train him back up to be. But he's gone. He's not. He's not. He, so he's a terrible goalkeeper now. This season's been horrendous. He's bottom of all the stats. Um, the amount well, of that's mistakes what I'm judging he's made. On, yeah. So, but he could have gone in the summer to a Premier League club. Now, imagine the mindset shift. And by the way, it's not just Jacks. It then impacted all three goalkeepers. Federici, obviously, then not happy that he's not given an opportunity. Adam Davis, who got promoted with Barnsley, played for Wales last season, is now sat as a number three twiddling his thumbs in a so, terrible team in a terrible team and you've got you know he's more than good enough to play top end championships so you've got three goalkeepers who are unhappy Jack because he didn't get his move and then he started the season poorly you wonder how much that impacted his mentality and of course he's watched Heaton go to Aston Villa and play really yeah. well yeah. so far I think and so just a simple shift there and then you've got now Stoke sticking by him because of the perceived value that Jack has you know they were talking 20 million in the summer so it's ended up that just as one example within that squad it's killed the goalkeeping department where you have got three very good goalkeepers who you would think won't be particularly happy with but the situation. all for different reasons cannot yeah. get their talent out on display. It's, it's a mess and I, I, I'm, I'm glad um, that Alex said, no, I'll stay here. Of course, he might have got flung a few bob for his new contract and all the rest of it because otherwise you have that terrible situation where Preston um, could have been puffed up and said, no, we will not accept this, this tapping up and then you go, I want to go anyway and it does happen. Mm. But, there um, was no there was a moment there, just a few hours when Alex Neal, of course, would had the golden opportunity to get himself out of the championship in either direction. Yeah, which that's is, always good. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So now he's chosen to try it go through the top end rather than the bottom end. <laughs> and so. this is nothing against Stoke City. I, you know, they they were for many years a pretty well run club, and hopefully they'll get a manager who um, can help them out of the terrible mess they're in now. Um, but uh, just be careful that, that hubris isn't immediately yeah. followed by nemesis. Hmm. Um, but I cleared the decks for you, actually, because mm. um, this story does need airing, and it's a serious story, but also it, it can bring us a villain of the week. You're going for... Yeah, this isn't a jovial one at all. This is Derby uh, sacking Richard Keogh. So... From the way I understand it, it was Mason Bennett, Tom Lawrence driving the cars. Who well, they've admitted to it, haven't both they? Admitted, yeah. in a court and, of the, law. And, the, and they are being punished accordingly. Yeah. Yeah. Being yeah. punished, uh, both believed to be over the limit. You then had Richard Keogh, who wasn't driving. Doesn't actually hasn't passed his test, by the way. So wasn't driving. Was sat in the passenger seat. So that was two reasons why he shouldn't have been driving. One, he was blind drunk, and two, he hasn't <laughs> yeah, passed exactly, his test. Yes. Yeah. So from what we understand, they offered him uh, a, a reduced terms, a deal. Now. If it's to be believed what he was offered, we're talking a tenth. It was desultory. It was yeah, derisory. A tenth of it was what risible, he's on. yeah. So he's naturally turned it down, and on the back of it, they've sacked him. And one of the reasons given is that he wasn't wearing his seatbelt. Which, so, for me... The, in the, the course of that evening's events, how high up the list of misdemeanours well, was that? This is the other thing, is that it was a, a it was a club-sanctioned night out. It wasn't like they've just gone out willy-nilly. It was a club-sanctioned night out. Which is, of course, the terrible irony a, behind the whole thing. Yes. And the bit that gets me is, and this is the... We've cut, oh, sorry, just uh, but to, uh, to add to the uh, layer on, and they had laid cars on yeah. Yeah. to yeah. take everybody home. The bit yeah. that gets me, and this is what I, I suppose I'd use an example, where players will often feel that... Uh, oh no, well, clubs will talk about loyalty. A player should have loyalty to the football yeah. club, wear the badge, love the badge. Do you know what? It's moments like this that makes me realise and understand even more so why players are mercenaries. 
and they are more often than not mercenaries. And the reason is, is stuff like this, where actually the moment, this is a player who's played 367 games, yes. I think it is, for Derby County Football Club for the last seven, eight years, has given everything, and all of a sudden, it's everything that could lead on from this as well. We're talking a lot about mental health these days. Like, imagine the position he's going to be in now as well. Now, you could look at it, yeah, he should have put his seatbelt on. Come on. Is that seriously... No, that's t- it's too trivial no, there's, a lot of, there's a lot of things he should have done that night, but, and I'm sure he is yeah, very well aware of that. The other, yeah. the other part of it is, and where I'd say I'd actually back Derby and say, do you know what, fair enough, is if they give all three the same punishment, well, that's which that's, is not that's my point. Point. The levels of double standards are incredible. Can I ask, Richard, what do you have... OK, because this is the weird bit for me, and, and arguably we, this is why you don't hear the end of it. They offer him a contract, albeit, as we say, you know, it's just... It, it's it's lip service, really, to, yes. to, in terms of wages. It looks like it, constructive dismissal from over here. Well, here you go, because he turns that down and say, OK, in that case, we're sacking you for gross misconduct. Now, if you're a footballer in that situation, you own a contract, mm. would you, A, first of all, say to yourself, well, that can't work that way around, and B, would you also not be saying, I think you'll find that wasn't gross misconduct, this is going further? And that's exactly what he's done. I, I think he's done the right thing by turning it down, he's appealing it, he will contact the PFA, I'm sure, he'll get his lawyers involved, right. and what will end up happening is they will reach, I'm sure, a settlement. I hope for his case he gets his full contract, because I think the way that Derby have acted on the back of this... If they're not going to sack the other two, which they're not, because their market value is a lot more than and a richer Now you're Keo. pressing on the actual bruise that matters. Yeah. yeah. So now, so what? There's only one thing you, you got. Well, there's only one thing they could have done and should have done was suck it up, mm. as you say, because yeah. in in the grand scheme of things, his wages over whatever two or three years are going to be one what percentage of the sale sell on of either Lawrence or Bennett at some point yeah. down the line. So you just add, don't you just add up the just do the maths. Well, this is it. They've looked at it and realistically, what was he thirty four? We're was, talking yeah. a fifteen, sixteen yeah. month injury. Yeah. I, like, I hope he plays again, but there's a chance uh, he may every not play chance again. That he won't, of yeah. course. And so it's as simple as it's, it's finances. They've looked a, at it. Can they pay less than what they have to pay? Yeah. And, and and that's terrible for a club. And this shows you how quickly these things can unravel because Mel Morris has run Derby County very well. The mm. managers have had plenty of money. They've got plenty, he's got plenty of money and this is a well-supported football club. And, you know, very close last year to doing what they wanted to do with Frank Lampard. And, all right, the famous footballer's phrase, the meaningless vacuity of we go again. One night out has mm-hmm. unravelled that club and Mel's reputation and Derby's reputation. And unless they something very... Well, I can't predict what could happen now to fix this. Derby, even if they were to come up, it smells now. It's a rotten thing to have happened. And uh, I would all due respect, Mark, to Pep Guardiola naming names about yes. divers and to Stokes, um, Stokes' kind of rather snooty attitude to press North End. Um, I, I, think we're, I think we're all in agreement. Derby yeah. for Villain of the Week? Oh, yeah. At last. At last, the hint of <laughs> agreement on this show. Unity um, is power. Thank you very much indeed. Uh, first of all, let me say thank you all for listening to the Game Day uh, Record Book podcast. You can download previous editions from all the usual outlets. Keep on uh, telling your friends about it because the numbers continue to grow exponentially and we're all about to become award winners and millionaires. And by all, I mean myself, Danny Kelly, and my two co-hosts uh, this uh, today who have been so brilliant, um, Mark Webster, kind of expected it from him Richard Lee a revelation thank you sir thank you God bless you all the Premier League All Access podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrokes the latest odds we set them form guides we've got them expert opinions we share them the best fans in the world deserve the best be match day ready before the whistle blows with Ladbrokes odds update on talk sport with Ladbrokes are you in let's go 
Play at labrooks.com, 18 plus, be gambleaware.org, T's and C's apply.